0: Welcome to The Aging Project Off Season. I'm Shelley Kraft, your host and fellow ager on the same journey as you. I believe it's important to mix things up in life and that belief extends to this podcast. So in our very first off-season, expect to hear stories from wonderful people who've caught our attention. We want to share real stories that inspire us and get us thinking about our own Aging Well journey. Thank you so much for listening and being part of the Aging Project community. We're thrilled you have joined us once again the very real realities of getting older is of course our changing appearance. Some of us resist those changes, some don't. Whatever your response, our philosophy at The Ageing Project is, you do you. But today's guest, Phoebe Stewart, will get you thinking about your relationship with your external appearance and perhaps what beauty really means. Phoebe is a mum, she's a lawyer, she's a writer, an avid cook, and she is also someone who, at just 18, experienced a devastating and near-fatal illness that resulted in the loss of her legs below the knee, her left hand at the wrist, and much of her vision. I am delighted to be talking with Phoebe today. Thank you so much for joining us, Phoebe. Thank you for your time, and thank you for sharing your story. Thanks for having me, Shelley. Can I begin with a quote from you? Uh, Everything that is valuable and beautiful about a human being has nothing to do with your appearance. That, Phoebe Stewart, without even knowing you, uh, gives us all a sense of what a remarkable woman you are. And for so many reasons, I hope that we tell your story the way that you would like it to be told um, and the messages that you would like people to hear. So perhaps we kick off with Phoebe's story.
1: Well, I guess, yeah, that quote is definitely the worldview of someone who comes to a recorded podcast with a bandage on their face, because I just know in my heart that, of course, and everyone knows what is most wonderful about people is really what is on the inside. Um, But yeah, I certainly learned that through lived experience when um, I was 18 years old, I was at university. Um, undertaking my first year of study, I'd just come back from a year overseas and I was just a a pretty ordinary, happy-go-lucky hockey-playing college student, please don't tell my children but my nickname was Blotto, so that can give you an insight into what um, I was up to on the weekends, Um, but during my first swap back I came down with this sort of mystery illness and Um, I went to the GP and he prescribed me antibiotics. And within a few days, I just deteriorated rapidly. Um, My skin and eyes and lungs and mouth began to blister and burn as if I'd been in a fire. And my college friends drove me to the emergency department. And I very quickly slipped into a coma and was admitted to the ICU where I spent about five weeks in that coma. I was, yeah, covered in burns. I My brain was swelling. My um, lungs kept having repeated bouts of pneumonia. Um, I, my eyelids were actually sewn shut to harness the burns that were happening um, to my corneas. I had tubes, you know, I had a central line. I had a tracheostomy to help me. I had um, a nasogastric tube to help me feed. I was pretty much as close to death and as sick as a person could get. And then my hands and feet began to turn blue and then black and my limbs were essentially perishing. And so as a last ditch attempt, the intensive care doctors suggested um, amputating the flesh that was now sort of poisoning the rest of me so my parents bravely signed the consent forms on my behalf and um i'm told that in the operating theater like the medical staff were quietly crying as they saw my limbs being removed forever um but fortunately the amputative surgery really saved me and that's when i started to to turn a corner and it looked as though i might live so But for me, I was a young college student who walked into the emergency department as one body, and then I woke up to this very new reality of having no limb, no legs below the knee, a missing left hand, and much of my vision um, sort of gone.
0: It is a harrowing story for anyone, and to retell it again, thank you for your bravery. I'm sure 20 years on, it doesn't make it any easier to, Mm. to relive. Those moments. Um, When you you did wake up and obviously saw bandages and and bits missing, what was the first thought that, that crossed your mind?
1: I think it took me a while to sort of orientate to what had happened. So it wasn't like a one big reveal. It was a slow sort of comprehension. And I think one thing that I just really bumped up against was how irreversible my injuries were. It They just seem so permanent, <laughs> Well they are, but it was very hard to get my head around. And I had just deep, deep grief and sadness. And I think that was definitely part of my healing was to really acknowledge and feel that sadness. It was like a monsoon of just tidal wave of emotion and sadness. And I think... Once I started being allowed visitors, I turned another corner because I realized that despite my injured shell, I was still entirely Phoebe on the inside. And that was just so profound and powerful to realize that, you know, this illness had taken so much, but it, this part of me that is like my true phoebe was just untouchable and inextinguishable. And that's what really got me through those early days. And even today, you know, it's the one thing we can all count on is our spirit and essence being unharmed by life's, you know, gravest challenges.
0: And I read that it was a friend of yours, mum, who said that, you know, I can yeah. imagine this would have been terribly distressing for your girlfriends who were sort of responsible for your well-being, living in college. Um, and what did one of the mums say to her daughter about what you'd gone through?
1: Yeah, my friend Carly, she sent me like cards every day and I just had this amazing community around me and Carly came to visit one day and said how she'd been crying to her mum saying just everything has changed and it's so sad and her mum had just said, you know, Phoebs will be back up to her old tricks before too long. Uh And when she said that, it just hit me. I was like, yeah, I will be and I can be. And I was so deeply determined that Although this illness had taken so much and stripped my life bare, I was not going to let it take everything. I was determined to not let it uh, c- cause more devastation beyond that hospital room. I was determined to ensure that I held on to who I was and, um, you know, I years later I heard that Viktor Frankl quote about how everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of human freedoms, the ability to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, the ability to choose one's own way. And I think when everything is taken, that really is the most profound thing that we can do and the most powerful thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, and you can choose your attitude and live from that real essence of, ness or shelliness mm-hmm. wherever you are whether it's on an operating table or you know having a conversation on a podcast like that is the one thing we can control and that's what's really you know guided me through the toughest times in my life.
0: So I don't want to ask who was the Phoebe before the illness because that obviously is very much who you are. Tell us about Blotto, as Phoebe as an 18-year-old or a 15-year-old through to 18. um, What is it about your character that you think made you able at that moment to say, you know what, I'm not going to let this destroy me?
1: I don't know. I think it was a bit of spunkiness, a bit of humour. I think... You know, the challenges in our life have this ability to just reveal more and more of who we are. And I think I was always like courageous, resilient, determined, um, you know, generous and thoughtful, all those sort of higher qualities that we all aspire to. They're inside all of us. But for some reason, when we bump up against suffering, they get more and more distilled and they. Come to the forefront of our lives because it's the only way we can get through, and they're the most powerful things to rely on. Um,
0: but so you think we've all got that in us anyway? Definitely. It's not actually the adversity that we suddenly inherit those qualities. We just we can find them within us without having to go through the pain and the suffering and that you know that affirmation moment.
1: Mm-hmm. I do, and I think unfortunately suffering is one of the best ways. To reveal them to us and I think that sort of part of life is drawing those lessons and that meaning from our suffering to ensure that it's not in vain and we do grow internally and have a stronger sense of character as we emerge from our
0: hard times. I guess a lot of people who do go through tough times can often put it behind them um, and move forward For you, there are daily reminders every day um, of that. Is that almost like a wake-up call every morning or do you not think about um, your... injuries anymore obviously the eye patch today as you said hey I'm showing up I'm here I'm on a podcast and I'm chatting um but does that keep you in that that positive frame of mind every day that you know we say wake up and and say the five things that you're grateful for this morning um obviously that means a a lot more to you
1: Mm, I think it does put everything into perspective it helps me you know to to live in that place of taking the high road and letting petty stuff go because I do have this big, huge experience that happened to me and these quite, um, you know, being disabled can be stressful, painful, laborious. Um, and it's just this constant reminder of like, I wasn't supposed to be here at all. You know, I'm so, I am truly grateful. I know gratitude is a bit overused these days, but I am so grateful to have had this extra time and to have rebuilt a life that for so many days weeks I was not at all supposed to have um so I think it is this constant sort of reminder in the background of what truly matters in a life which is a gift um as much as it is also you know this sad thing that that I carry with me as well
0: You've got a heck of a lot of spunk, Phoebe, and just reading about the, not the grief that you gave the hospital staff, but some of the stories um, about you when you were in hospital. And again, as an 18-year-old, you know I can only imagine um, the hospital staff would have loved having you around, and you're obviously there for quite some time. Can you run us through some of the funny things that you did in that time that obviously kept your spirits up as well, but again, made everyone around you Um, I guess, relax and feel like they they shouldn't be feeling sorry for you because you Mm -hmm. were getting on with business.
1: Yes, I just loathe people feeling sorry for me. So I definitely didn't lead with that sort of uh, victim mentality. But yeah, for much of my rehab, I was in a geriatric assistance um, ward and (laughs) I had no hair and was skeletal and, you know, covered in red burns. And so, you know, the the elderly patients would walk past me and say, morning, son. And I was just like, I'm not I'm not fraternising <laughs> with any of these old people. As much as I cherish and respect elderly people, I they were on a different path to me. I was like, I'm here to get out and get back to things. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to be brought down with this um, elderly vibe. So, yeah, I was certainly <laughs> just an 18-year-old college student tr- doing her best in, um, in a very foreign environment. Um, and I think that's what did help me because I brought myself and my personality to you know, all the physio and all the, um, you know, hospital appointments. And it made, you know, the therapists and medical staff get on my side and it ultimately led to a happier day and a better outcome.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, things like not wanting to eat with the geriatrics nice, and getting yeah. takeaway in the hospital yeah. most nights. <laughs> you know, know, asking the nurses mom. to bring in some the vodka to put in your drip. Like mm. this is a girl I really want to hang out with.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, she was doing her best as a yeah,
0: a young thing on a ward. <laughs> Oh, I think my favourite was uh, pretending you are asleep when your school chaplain mm. would come to visit so, so you didn't yes. have to talk to him. I know. Oh, all I can say is God bless. You know? <laughs> his heart was in the right place
1: but, yeah, <laughs> he didn't have much that I was finding useful in his uh, visitation. So he's a bit so, cheeky.
0: Oh, I can't believe I'm laughing but you are <laughs> hilarious. So out of hospital, you're obviously going to need some serious assistance but it was back back to uni for you?
1: Mm -hmm. yes within 18 months I was back living in a share house near uni with five friends I was making my way around uni now you know trying to navigate the world with lower vision and with you know slightly more difficulty walking but I've certainly exceeded a lot of the limitations that were put on me um, during that recovery period I think just through sheer determination luck um And, yeah, I managed to complete my arts law and went on to be admitted as a solicitor and um, met my husband, Ben, and had two marvellous little boys and, um, yeah, certainly have rebuilt um, a full and rich and meaningful life.
0: So it is. Your cup is full, Phoebe. Indeed. (laughs) A quick You Must Try It pause. We have been busy putting together gift ideas to make the gift-giving season easy. So if you're buying for teachers, your bestie, your mum, or the teenagers in your life, even your partner, we have some fabulous ideas. Think beautiful perfumes, body oils, organic teas, candles, exfoliants, and so much more. Go check out our gifts page on YouMustTryIt.com for more. Now, back to the show. I know a lot of our listeners um, have their own challenges, you know, it may be their own life transition, you know, we talk a lot about menopause and whether that's the evil or whether that's this sort of embracing your inner power uh, that we have in our second half of life, whether it's divorce, whether it's new careers, um, the loss of a loved one, you know, those testing times that we need, the ability to skill and to navigate. Um How did you get into that mindset? Because I know, you know, you can have those up days, um, but Mm -hmm. you probably, and I'm sure like all of us, still have the days where you just can't or think you can't do it. How Mm -hmm. did you put yourself or how do you stay in that positive mindset? I think
1: it's definitely that piece about determination to not let this illness take more than it already has. Um, I think it's also being real about our emotions. I think, you know, I certainly grew up in a time where we were supposed to be happy, clappy all the time and negative emotions were sort of seen as negative. And I think as I've matured, I've realized like we just need to process sadness and grief and frustration. And eventually it just is expressed and moved through us. And if we can do it without impacting those around us, that is a plus, um,
0: I but think those around it, you should be on the journey with you at mm, the same time? Do you feel yeah. like it's sometimes necessary to do that processing by yourself or do you feel like you have to share it with the ones closest to you so they understand where you are or is it a private, personal thing? Historically I have not shared
1: it. <laughs> I have certainly kept it to myself. I think um, I'm getting better at sharing it and it, that does lessen the burden when you have a community who understands and makes space for the fact that, you know, life is hard and everyone comes up against struggles. I know I'm not unique in um, going through hard days. Um, And then also being that for other people and having that compassion for those around you, I mean, it's really a feedback loop um, Mm. which helps us all. But I think, um, yeah, I think ageing and going through difficult things is all part of life and, you know, it just can't be avoided. And I think it it does have the ability to help us grow internally and draw down on what is really most important and most meaningful to us. Um, So I think if we can draw the meaning and gifts from tough times, whether it's menopause or... Um, divorce or whatever it might be that's really what we're all here to do.
0: I think it's tough that we don't um, often use the right language um, to speak to people when they are going through hard times whether it's something we've just lost in our culture as you say an 18 year old with their life ahead of them shouldn't ever experience anything like this but you know, pain doesn't discriminate and mm-hmm. illnesses, injuries, accidents, you know, they, they don't discriminate. But I think we're really poor at expressing how or how to communicate with people who are going through tough times. Mm-hmm. What are some of the, I guess, the worst things that people could say when you're in that situation? Or what do you wish people had said to you um, back then? And even now, you know, as you say, you're not looking for for pity or people to look upon Mm -hmm. you any differently, but how is best for us to communicate um, that we wish life hadn't delivered that to you? Mm -hmm.
1: I think it's just being as genuine as we can. I think listening is really important um, and and holding that space and time for someone to really express what they're going through without us trying to quickly fix it or look for that silver lining because we'll all find it when we're ready um I think if you asked my mum she would say that I get cranky when she immediately says but when I'm saying you know this is hard she'll say but this that or the other and it's like just let me get it out before you but me (laughs) um but again I think I say the wrong thing all the time you know we're all human and Um, I think we need to be as forgiving and compassionate as we can with ourselves and with people who are going through tough times. And I think I've definitely noticed a narrative, narrative of people who have gone through something really difficult or who might have a disability where the main focus of what they talk about is this crazy thing was said to me, this person was insensitive. And at the end of the day, I mean, we can't take on that. Um, you know, what other people are going to say. We can only be responsible for how we feel about what's happening to us and um, try and connect on a level to meet whoever is with us and where they're at. And so, yeah, I just try and rise above. I mean, I've been in a lot of taxi cabs with a lot of people, a lot of drivers have said some weird stuff to me, but um, you know, it's not really that important.
0: Just got to shake it off.
1: That's it. Taylor
0: Swift. Knew. Yeah, look, you know, her and Elsa might be <laughs> the, the exactly. two greatest philosophers of all time. One hundred percent Before we started recording, you said you'd done your meditation today, you were feeling grounded. What what is your daily ritual or routine like?
1: I definitely um am into meditation. I've um, been a pretty consistent meditator since my children were born because I have just found I just found It really hard to um, not get completely sucked into every emotion that they were experiencing because they just feel so close to me but I'm sure you know what a two-year-old is like with their ups and downs and So I really turned to meditation to try and keep my sort of internal weather system pretty steady, um, which I think helps, but you know, some days it doesn't. And, um, yeah, so I think, you know, we all know what we're supposed to do. I'm pretty disciplined at, you know, exercising, meditating, um, you know, eating relatively well just because I don't want to go to the doctor's office and have any doubt that I didn't do everything I could on my part. And, um, And, you know, if I'm having a bad prognosis, I know it's, you know, outside of my um, control and that's a better place for me to be in than um, thinking, you know, feeling guilty or frustrated that I could have done more.
0: And how is your body now? You've never had a reoccurrence? This illness has never raised its head again? Fighting fit? (laughs) fighting fit
1: internally, my eyes. Um, from the scarring require a little bit of medical assistance um, and I've had some ups and downs but uh, and I've had some recent um, surgical complications but basically fighting fit and ready to turn 40 in December.
0: So you're ageing well, like the rest of us. <laughs> That's what we're here on this project for, shall yeah, we? Yeah, we'll bring it on. I'm loving every minute of it. Um, you're an avid reader. What are some of the titles that you've come across, some books that have had a real impact on you?
1: Um, I think the most powerful books for me um, have been memoirs. Um, I'm thinking of um, Loke Bade Menon's book, Chanel Miller, Um, Bruce Buchani, the uh, Kurdish-Iranian journalist who wrote um, his memoir from Manus' detention centre. I think um, memoirs that don't tell you what to do, like here's a five-point plan for a difficult time, but instead share a story, show how, you know, people can remain so steadfastly themselves and true to themselves and what they believe in in the most unfathomable highs and lows i think those stories have the ability to sort of remind us how powerful we all are and how um and yeah just help us to trust our own inner wisdom and our own inner um feebiness and shelliness um to continue on and persevere And, um, yeah, so I think memoirs are probably my favourite.
0: Are you writing your own, Phoebe?
1: (laughs) And if you're not, why not? (laughs) Look, I have definitely got a bit of a thought to write one, but it's difficult to dig everything up, first of all. And second of all, I would want to write a book that didn't bring anyone down. I don't want to just be like, here's a big sad story that happened to me. So I think once I get that idea of how to tell it in a way that is... Um, nurturing and uplifting, I'll I'll definitely, I'll send you a manuscript.
0: Yes, please do, please do. Well, you, you have written a little bit um, in your time and a lot of that is obviously coping mechanisms but also your own set of beauty ideals. Um, I've got them written here but would you like to share them with us or would you like me to read them out?
1: I believe there is beauty in generosity, self-awareness and humour, I believe there is beauty in not being too obsessed with ourselves and our own complaints. I believe there is beauty in asking good questions and having meaningful conversations. I believe there is beauty in realising that ageing is a privilege and liking who you are is cool. I believe there is beauty in being interested and interesting. I believe there is beauty in smiling like you mean it and not being too laboriously quaffed and groomed. I believe there is beauty in taking time to learn about other people's struggles and caring about things outside ourselves. I believe there is beauty in continuing on in the face of great pain. And I believe our truest beauty comes from being like nobody else out there but our own unique, complicated and precious selves.
0: Phoebe, you are all of those. Yes, yes, yes to all of those. Um, I'd love to say you are a North Star for all of us on this topic of just, not just being true to ourselves, but actually just loving ourselves the way we are. You know, that's it. And you know, having kids, that's all they get, right? There they are. That's it. And you've got to make the most of what you got. And I really- Absolutely do appreciate you helping us to think a little bit about deeply, more deeply about what that actually means um, to all of us. It's going to be a day of reflection, I think, and not in the mirror, just <laughs> in, a, in a reflection for, for all of us today. Um, where can people hear you? Do you do speaking gigs? Would you like to stand up in front of a, clou- a crowd and deliver these messages more? Uh, is a keynote something that you'd love to do or where can people actually connect with you?
1: I do a little bit of speaking. It's hard to, you know, do, to tell my story every single day. So, and I am a mum and a lawyer, um, as other hustles. So, but um, yeah, I do a little bit of writing and sharing of my experiences on, and what I'm reading on my Instagram, which, you know, people may or may not be Instagram fans, but that's where I do put out a little bit of what's going on inside me. Um, and otherwise, yeah, always happy to hear from anyone.
0: Not just a North Star, but a shining light. Phoebe, you are an extraordinary human. Thank you so much for today's chat. That's
1: so lovely. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Some people's life story can impact you. And today's conversation is one of those. Phoebe is the definition of everything that is beautiful. And it's a reminder that beauty is indeed an inside out job. Our shell, as Phoebe puts it, is just that. So as it changes over time and with age, let's remember we will always be beautiful. I'd like to put Phoebe's beauty ideas on the fridge for my kids and for me. There were so many pearls of wisdom there. You can connect with Phoebe at any time on Instagram at phoebsgram. That's at P-H-O-E-B-S-G-R-A-M. This woman shares the best book recommendations. As always, if you enjoyed today's episode, please share it. Talk to you again next week. I'm Shelley Craft. This is The Aging Project Off-Season. See you soon.